I want you to find your place in Mark chapter number 11 for just a moment. And then also I'll be referring to a portion of scripture in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you want to do that, I'm going to try to make a stretch this morning, not to do any damage to scripture or to try to adjust the scripture. Uh, and uh, But I, I want to try to help this morning. This is our first Sunday in our month dedicated to prayer. And the answer to prayer walked in a little while ago. It's my granddaughter, Abby. Abby, would you stand up, honey, in your blue shirt, blue dress? Let's give Abby a big hand. Bless your heart, sugar. Abby was uh, admitted in the hospital, and, and uh, you can sit down. You're not going to get to preach, Abby. <laughs> in, in November. And uh, so, so frightening. And uh, we'll not go into the details, but she was so severe that the doctor said it's no use to operate. Uh, just no use uh, operating. Uh, no blood pressure at all. And uh, I think Abby's here today because of prayer. Amen. Because of God's people uh, uniting together and praying and uh, we're so glad that God has been so gracious to uh, David and Sandy and, and Abby. Maybe one of these days he'll be uh, gracious to uh, the other part of the family. <laughs> By the way, we're going to dismiss early today because I think he got a new car. He'll probably run over 10 people getting out of the parking lot. Jonathan, my grandson. Look at verse 17 of uh, Mark chapter number 11. And I, uh, Brother Andrew and I do not communicate on what we preach. It wouldn't bother me at all if I was preaching the same text he's been studying for tonight. Because it would not come out near the same. Verse 17, and to preface verse 17, we'll begin reading in verse 15. And they came and they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. What season is it? Man, this fits right in, right? Dove season in the temple, all right? And would not suffer any, that any should carry any vessels through the temple. And he taught saying, what's this? Unto them, is it not written, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer. Jesus went into the temple, which no longer is standing. Jesus went into the temple, run out the money changers, and proclaimed that the house of God, the temple, 
would be a house of prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, please. I'd like to read for you about another temple. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse 19. And the Bible plainly states, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I'd like to talk to you today, and I don't believe it's a stretch at all. Since the temple in Jerusalem has been destroyed, and that was the dwelling place of God in that economy. The temple is gone. But there's another temple spoken of in the New Testament. And it is in that temple that God dwells in the person of the Holy Spirit. Should not that be the house of prayer? Would that help the temple in which the Holy Ghost dwells if it was dedicated to prayer instead of the other and sundry things that we've dedicated it to. I just believe with all my heart that we need to dedicate ourselves and our lives to the activity, to the privilege, to the responsibility, and to the blessing of prayer. It's easy to pray when things go wrong. It's easy to forget to pray when things go well. And the problem with America is it has been well so long that we don't need to pray. And we see not the need to pray. But the Bible said out of his troubles, David made his cry unto the Lord. It seems we yell louder when our nose gets stuck in the door. We yell when our mailman brings the IRS statement. We pray when the starter don't work, when we are going to work and our car is dead. We pray more when our kids reach the age of 13. We pray more when the wife says, cook your own stinking food. (laughs) We pray more when our wives come to us and say, would you taste this white powder? (laughs) 
Someone told me that it was baking soda, but it could be rat poisoning. Would you please taste this for me, please? As temples of the Holy Spirit of God, our body should be the house of prayer. Anything that detracts from vital prayer in the life of a Christian is a treacherous thief. Foolish to allow ourselves to be robbed of the privilege of prayer. I read a quote this week. It said, if you could kick the person responsible for most of your trouble in the backside, you wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. Could I have an amen? Amen. The one that causes us the most problem is the one we look in the mirror early in the morning and say, you should go back to bed. Could I ask you a question today? And you do some thinking about it. What can prayer do? Could I please give you an answer? Anything that God can do. What can prayer do? Anything that God can do. I was reading this morning in the book of Acts, chapter number 12, about a young man who was preaching the gospel and the devil's crowd got mad and caught him, incarcerated him, and put him in prison. And it says that they had four quadrants of soldiers guarding Peter in the prison. Not only was he guarded by four quadrants of, of soldiers, he was tied to two Roman soldiers, one on each arm, and used two chains to keep him bound. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 12, And verse 5, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer, now get this, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Deep in the night, as Peter lay there, chained to two Roman soldiers, Deep in the heart of the prison with two entrances enabled to get to him, guarded by a steel gate and four quadrants of soldiers. That house church over there just a few blocks away was praying, dear God, deliver Peter. Sometime during the night, somebody nudged Peter chained to two soldiers. And Peter looked up. I don't know what he had said, but if I had awakened and an angel standing there poking me in the side, I wouldn't have to be worried of getting out of prison. They'd have had to get me out of the emergency ward down at the hospital. I'd have had a heart attack. And the angel nudged Peter and said, Pete, Wake up, we're leaving. Get your clothes on. Soldiers not awake yet. Chains loosed. 
Pete gets up, walks out, doors swing open, angel walks to the huge gate, and they had an automatic opener on it, and it just opened for him as he walked out. Wow. Can you imagine for just a moment, imagine with me, an angel fetched Peter out of prison. Now watch it. What fetched the angel? Prayer. Was being made down at the church house. Why in the world are we missing out on this? Why in the world would we miss out on the mind-boggling thought? Listen, God said, call upon me and I will answer thee. Is that mind-boggling to you? We who are so broke, we need a cosigner to pay cash. <clears throat> we who have family problems without him. Mamas won't talk to daddies because daddies won't talk to mama because the kids won't talk to either one of them. What's the solution? Education, of course. Call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. To me, that is absolutely mind-boggling. They said that the President of the United States gave a million dollars to the relief in Houston. And that's tremendous. I don't remember the last one given any. But that's petty cash to the God I serve. And we neglect the fact that God answers prayer above everything else that a Christian ought to do, they ought to learn to pray. If you don't do anything else as a child of God, for your safety, for your provision, for your kids and for your family, learn to pray. Wouldn't it be nice if your kids walked around and said, boy, my daddy's able to grab a hold of God and we're seeing some great and mighty things happening over at our house. Well, don't let me get too excited because I'll probably just faint. Prayer links our nothingness to God's almightiness. The failure to pray is the most tragic sin that I can ever speak of. 
The Bible says in 1 Samuel 12 and 23, God forbid that I should cease, that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. If you have not prayed for your preacher today, you are a vile sinner. You said, did you pray for me? Universally, collectively, yes. I said, Lord, bless all them brats. I mean, uh, there was a time when I started this, or when we started this church, I didn't start anything but a headache. When we started this church years ago, uh, there was not a large group of people to pray for. And I had two lists. I had a membership list and a visitor's list. And every single day of my life, I would take the members list and I would pray for the members by name. And I would pray for those visiting our church and the prospects by name. And my prayer was, dear God, get the visitors off of that list onto this list. Well, the list got too big. And I wasn't doing anything except sitting at the house watching television acting like I was praying. But the most tragic sin, I think, that we can all commit is the failure to lift each other up to the throne of God. And now we remember it in times of distress and hurt, sorrow, bereavement. But what's wrong with just praying for somebody that feels good? So just bless them anyhow. Notice I want you to take your Bible now for the next 10 minutes and go back to Matthew chapter number six. I'm gonna to try to hit everything in the Bible about prayer so that Andrew will have to study this afternoon. <laughs> in Matthew chapter number six, it's a Sermon on the Mount. And uh, in this chapter, it begins to deal with with, with, with giving alms, with giving money, with fasting and so forth and so on. But he touches another subject I think is very pertinent to the day. Notice verse five of Matthew chapter number six. And the Bible says this, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. Verse number six, but when thou prayest, Enter into thy closet. Verse number seven, but when thou pray. And verse number nine, and after this manner, therefore pray ye. Now the Lord is teaching his disciples how to pray. Have you ever heard of anybody having a prayer coach? We have CEO coaches. We have quarterback coaches. We have kicking coaches. We have marriage coaches. We have coaches for everything in the world. Maybe we need a prayer coach. Somebody to tell us how not to pray and somebody to tell us how to pray. In verse number five, our prayer coach, the Lord Jesus, 
begins by telling us how not to pray. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites or the play actors. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. When you pray, don't pray to impress men. When you pray, don't pray that you might be seen of men. You don't have to turn on the monotone and start praying for Rehoboam and Boom and all them boy boys. You don't impress God. And you certainly don't impress men. So when you pray, don't worry about what people are thinking about what you're saying. And if you fumble every once in a while, that might mean you really do need to pray. <laughs> Just like the one's going to fumble when they pray. So when you pray, don't pray to impress men. You've seen it in church, I'm sure. Huh? Recently, they asked me to come to Austin to pray for the 85th offering of uh, the Congress in the Senate or whatever it is there. And I thought it was just a little deal. I thought they did it every Monday. No, they do it. <laughs> I was the 85th one that did it. And I was concerned about should I pray in Jesus' name and should I pray a long prayer and should I have everybody stand with their heads bowed and eyes closed while we eat our food? And, and uh, I just decided I'd just pray like I always pray. And I don't think the length of your prayer determines whether God listens to you or not. Don't pray like the hypocrites. Verse 7, and when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be ye therefore not like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Do you realize you're not going to surprise God by what you ask for? And do you realize God's not going to give it to you if it ain't going to be for your good and his glory? You say, well, I was praying for a Corvette. Why don't you just pray for the money? Then give me half of it and we'd both be better off. You say, well, I've got a Corvette. You talking about my Corvette? No, that's just the first kind of car that come to my mind. I could have said a Model A, but I just didn't think about that. And then he said, after this manner, you don't know how to pray? After this manner, verse 9, like this, after this manner. Now, don't forget, don't use vain repetition. So if all you do 
It say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, and we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 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 Okay. Now, tomorrow, I'm going to pray again. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, next day, I'm going to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Next day, I'm going to pray. Our is that vain repetition? I said, is that vain repetition? So we're not to mimic the words. It's the pattern. It's the matter. We're to pray after this manner. We're not to repeat the words of the model prayer. It is a model by which we are to pray. And for five minutes, I'm going to show you our praying coach, the Lord Jesus, the manner in which you are to pray. You say, well, I'm not going to do it. That's your problem, not mine. Our Father. When you pray, to whom are you praying? Our Father. Not the omnipotent Jehovah Jireh Elohim who stepped out on the ledge of nothing and spoke the worlds into existence. The almighty, magnificent, splendorous uh, God of all the universe. We are saying, Daddy, we're here again. Not irreverent. Our Father. Notice what it said. Prayer is for God's children, not the devil's. Prayer is a child talking to his or her father. And if you have a relationship with your father that you should have, you should be able to come into their presence and say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and a child is a person talking to the father. Now, here's the thing. You've got to make sure you're one of the children so that you have the relationship with the father. The Bible said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says, but as many as receive him, Jesus to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. The Bible said, Behold, what manner of love we both bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And the Pharisees came to Jesus one day and said, God is our Father. You know what Jesus said? Now listen, John 8 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the works of him you do because he was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. God, listen now, God don't answer the prayers of the devil's kids. You understand that? Prayer is for God's children. Those who have come to God by faith and have trusted Christ to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. 
And so prayer is for the children of God. May I say you do not need to use Shakespearean language to get your prayers answered. Years ago, I come up with this. I don't know where I got it. This was when Mandy was smaller. Notice I said smaller. You imagine one day me coming home and before Mandy got tied up with a heathen and married a computer geek. Imagine if you would please Mandy greeting me at the door and says, oh, hail thou eminent pastor of Joshua Baptist Church. I beseech thee that thou wouldest grant to thy daughter whom thou lovest some financial assistance that she may sojourn to yonder pharmacy and buy some cosmetic necessities. Surely I would answer that if I understood what she said. I can tell you what she would say. Hello, Daddy. I love you. I'm glad you're home. Say, I need five bucks to go to the the drugstore to get some stuff. Now, which one would you think that I'd answer? You don't impress God with your language, with your monotone, with your tones, and with with your Shakespearean language. It's a child talking to a father. And Paul even screwed the nut just a little bit tighter. And he said in Romans 8 and 15, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is the, is the Arabic word that is real close to our word, Daddy. Daddy. Prayer is a blood-bought child of God talking to Daddy. the person of prayer. You should know him personally. You should talk to him regularly. Believe me, he loves you and wants to help you. I've helped my kids when I ought to have just shot them. I could tell you some things. Uh, Three of them are here today. The other three are idiots, but these folks. (laughs) But oh, we've had good times because we have a daddy and child relationship. And I have the same thing now for 50 years with my heavenly father. He loves me. You might not understand why, but he loves me. Not because I'm lovable, 
but because he is love. Uh, he wants the best for me. He likes to hear from me. I think it breaks his heart when he thinks maybe I've forgotten him and only talk to him when I want something from down at the store. Prayer ought to always include in your heart and soul the person of prayer. Notice, if you would please, and I'm going to close real shortly, the purpose of prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, watch this, thy will be done. The purpose of prayer is that you might accomplish and know the will of God for your life. Should you be born and live a hundred years on this earth and not find God's will for your life, let me tell you what I could put on your tombstone. Here lies a mistake. God did not put us here for our glory. He put us here for his glory. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is restricted to the will of God. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us, First John. Wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? God's word is God's will. I read it every day. I've read it for 50 years, just about every day. And every day, I find something that I did not know the day before. And when I read it, and it says, you need to do this, I just found God's will for my life that day. Is that not so? See, God's not going to drop a big sign out of heaven and say, this is what I want you to do today. He dropped 66 books out of glory to teach us his will. And believe me, to do it, you'll have to pray about some of that stuff. Like love your enemies. I'm having trouble with loving my friends. I'm not having any trouble with my enemies. I ain't tried that yet. <laughs> right? Those guys that stole our trailer the other day, I said, I wish Sean could get a hold of them because I'm too good a Christian. <laughs> you, you catch my drift. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as heaven. The purpose of prayer The pardon of prayer. Forgive us. Notice what I said? Forgive us. You know why we need to pray forgive us? Because we're all just sinners. Yeah, we're all just sinners. Forgive us. The pardon of prayer. Powerful prayer comes from a clean heart. 
But pride wants to hold on to everything in the world. Have you ever noticed that? I was reading today about how you catch a monkey. I tried it on some of the church staff, but it didn't work. <laughs> Take a coconut. Drill a little hole in the top, just big enough for him to get his hand in. Sprinkle rice down in the bottom of the coconut. And the monkey will reach his hand in the hole and grab the rice. But with his hand grasping the rice, it's too large to come out of the hole. And he'll stand there selfishly holding on to what is his instead of releasing it and going free. Can anybody say amen? amen? Do you know anybody that might need a little forgiveness? Deliver us from evil. The pardon of prayer, the protection of prayer, and I close. Deliver us from evil. Actually, it means to deliver us from the evil one. Boy, how we need to pray that every day. Huh? We need to recognize our Heavenly Father, talk to Him in an intimate kind of way. He wants to hear that. We need uh, uh, the, uh, the will of God to be done in our life every day. We need provision each day. Give us this day our daily bread. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you read your Bible a little, you'll find it in the book of James. James is referring to people who are living below their needs. Not their wants, their needs. And you know his answer? You have not because you ask not. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and I'm supposed to be praying for baloney? Did you know that the same God owns Chevrolet, owns Cadillac? And it don't throw no kink in God's plan for me to say, Lord, now I'll drive a Chevrolet, but I can sure feel better in a Cadillac. <laughs> you say, well, that's selfish. No, that's just being smart. <laughs> if I'm going to pray, I am not going to waste my time on baloney. Especially if my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, send me some T-bones by. And you say, well, that's not Christian. I got a Hebrew word for you. <laughs> He's my father. And he said he would supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. He said he'd give me the desires of my heart and I'm supposed to waste my time piddling around in the trash bins of the world when my God owns it all. God help us. We need protection. He prays, deliver us from evil. 
literally the evil one. Our protection is through prayer. I pray for the protection of our folks and my family every day. Reminds me of a little boy in a church in Kentucky or Tennessee where I was from. You know them old pews that we used to have. Man, we had to give anything for something like that to sleep on. And we sat in them old, old pews that got that swoop in the back. Ain't no way in the world you lay down on them and get comfortable. And, you know, and them preachers, they had no idea that there's a clock on the wall. Not at all. No, sir. No. No, sir. You didn't love God if you looked at a clock. What time is it? <laughs> and a little boy had all he wanted now. He started acting up in church. You remember when they had them thumpers? <laughs> Big old long pole with a little round knob on the end and somebody in the back reach over a pew, hit your kid in the top of the head. <laughs> you got religion in a hurry, boy. This kid was acting up in church. You've seen him. Daddy tried to hush him up. Mama tried to hush him up. Preacher looked at the kid. Ushers looked at the kid. Everybody looked at the kid. And he was glad he just raised and came. Finally, Daddy just swooped him up in his arms and started marching toward the toilet. And that kid was a yelling and a screaming. Not one person in the whole congregation even looked that direction. Till the kid in a southern drawl said, you all pray for me him. Protection. Our Father, intimate relationship, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, I want the will of God in my life. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The praise in prayer. Prayer should contain two things. Number one, petition and praise. A petition is when you say, please, Lord. Praise is when you say, thank you, Lord. I'll guarantee you your week will be better if you'll pray this prayer every day. Amen. Billy Sunday, the great baseball player that turned evangelist said, we need to yank out of our prayers a lot of the groans and stuff in some hallelujahs. Amen. And if you haven't prayed the most Important prayer in all the world. Today would be a day to do it. The Bible said, if thou shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're not saved today, why don't you make that prayer to God before it's too late?